Hey, it's Brad. Uh, this is uh, part two of a two-parter, uh, which is why it begins with really no preliminaries. So if that uh, makes you uneasy, feel free to listen to the last episode and you'll get kind of the lead into all this. Otherwise, uh, please enjoy. Bye. One, two, three, four. The only logical ending to this really is them all masturbating while they watch it, right? <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing that could have really capped this story. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> but thankfully for the listeners, that is the end of boner talk, I think. Yeah. I think we're on to emotional Elvis. I don't think there's and I think there is boners in emotional did we, Elvis. Did we talk about um the the sightseeing for panties? Oh dude. We should <laughs> no. just go over that real quick. We can't we can't not. Yeah. That's an excellent moment. How do we So yeah, this happens in Texas. They're down for basic training. Elvis, of course, brought his whole family down there, including Earl, for some reason. And early one morning before revelry, you know, they're all living off base. Yeah. They're, they're renting a house. Uh, and Elvis just reports to the army in the morning. Yeah, goes I don't and punches. That, <laughs> don't quite know how that works, but yeah. <laughs> so Elvis has a little bit of free time in the morning. And uh, he invites Earl to go out and check out, quote, the scenery. Certainly the impression is that this is a recurring thing for Elvis. Like, this isn't the first time he had this idea. Yeah. So he takes him out for the drive, and then the quote here is Elvis telling Earl, early morning's the best time, because that's when you can see women hanging their private things out to drive. And so they go out driving around, and this is dawn, I guess. I mean, he's got to get to the army. So Pretty it is early, yeah. Really early. Yeah. Yeah, break a dawn. Crack a dawn. So yeah, they're driving around, looking at panties drying on lines. In this small Texas town. Yeah. Clearly, anyone who looks knows it's Elvis. I mean, it's probably a town of like a couple hundred. I mean, they know who Elvis is. Yeah. You know, it's probably a pretty distinctive car. Yeah. So these women are presumably, and husbands, looking out their windows in the morning and seeing this idling car with Elvis (laughs) staring at their fannies, right? Oh, or that, or it's like, hey, what's that car doing parked on the side of the road? And then they like look into their backyard and Elvis is like doing an army crawl (laughs) and like has like peeking over the fence. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So they go and look at panties and Elvis waxes poetic. Look there, Earl. I like the ones with lacy edges. Can't you just imagine what goes on inside? Yeah. I bet they belong to a natural redhead, a sweet young thing. Yeah. And uh, in the book, the line, can't you just imagine what goes on inside, is not appended by a question mark. It's just a period, <laughs> which gives the, it a tone more like, can't you just imagine what goes on inside? <laughs> you know? It's almost like wistful. It's not a question. Not even a rhetorical question. As you read that, I, I, like, he's staring straight into Earl's eye, like just a dead face staring yeah. right into Earl and just saying, can't you just imagine what goes on inside? Yeah, like totally fish-eyed. Yeah. Like his eyes. <laughs> Maybe even gently stroking himself. <laughs> or is he curled up behind Earl? Got him in a bear hug, <laughs> whispering it in his ear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's a big sweet moment. I think there is stuff in other books about Elvis and panties. I seem to recall at some point them saying you like White cotton panties were his main bag. I feel like I've heard that too, although I don't know the exact source of where that comes yeah, from. We yeah, we can't cite that, but it's out there somewhere. I'm sure we'll get to it. But yeah, so panties, they don't really talk about him stealing panties, but 
just looking at him. I do like the thought of him stealing like a whole bunch at once, like and going out like without Earl, and then let's like parking somewhere and just like sitting in the back throwing him up in the air <laughs> like he's just hit it rich he's got one one pair over his face and he's just throwing the rest <laughs> scrooge mcduck yeah. so panties yeah i mean if he was a panty guy he would have an incredibly smelly enormous collection he would have a mountain of panties unless like he does what he needs to do with them and he's just like immediately ashamed and again it's just like him tossing them out the car window yeah rips down the highway i could see him getting them all the way home and then then finishing with them <laughs> then like what's he gonna do with them at, like elvis what are you what are all these women's panties doing <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about mama <laughs> <laughs> yeah or just like out, just outside his window there's just a pile of panties like, i don't know <laughs> i don't know where those, I don't know anything about it. those girls are crazy man <laughs> <laughs> yeah right it might even be too it's really um, well, it's like the most innocent thing, mm-hmm. you know, there's something kind of charming about it. Yeah. And he's just kind of like wistfully dreaming, Yeah, you know? Yeah. That's nice. It doesn't really add up considering how ravenous he was before the army. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's well established by the time he goes to the army. He is like, you know, priapic male. Yeah. So yeah, I don't even want to talk about that because it makes me think maybe it's not true. And Oh yeah. It's probably not true, but I don't even want to consider that. <clears throat> No, let's if, not then. Of anything in this, I want that to be true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the Elvis I hold in my heart, right? Yeah. Well, on to the final of the third themes of this book. Behind Family Ties and Boners, it is... Emotional Elvis. Yeah, highly, highly emotional, I would say, right? Yeah, oh, very. He seems to feel things uh, more than the rest of us <laughs> yeah. mortals do. Yeah, the image that came to my mind was of Kevin Bacon in the movie Footloose when he's <laughs> where he's dancing in that warehouse and he's sort of yeah. thrashing about and like slamming against the walls. He's anger dancing. Yeah, <laughs> that seems to be how Elvis lived his life. Or when the guy from Aha got out of the, he's trying to get out of the cartoon oh, yeah, universe, banging on the walls and stuff, yeah, he's like slamming himself against the hallway. Yeah, wow. and I have in my mind like a, just a generic scene from any after-school special where some little kid has a, I don't know, he's got a problem, runs into his bedroom and starts tearing posters off the wall. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty close to what Elvis actually yeah. does in this. Yeah, if actually. it had posters on the wall, they definitely would have come down. Yeah. Very early in the book, he steals an apple for Gladys and takes it home and presents it to her. She, of course, since the whole family's poor as dirt. Yeah, they got no money. Yeah. She questions him where he got the money and he can't answer. Marches him back down to the store, right? And he's got to give it back and apologize. Yep. And this is very humiliating for Elvis. <laughs> he's deeply shamed. Yeah. Well, because part of that is a core of Elvis's personality in this book is created by the disrespect and the shame he felt from his poverty. Yeah. And that was a driving force for him by Earl's telling. And certainly that being shamed like that for stealing the apple keys right into that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So in response, in the first of many tantrums in this book, which we'll detail here, he goes home and just starts clawing the wallpaper off the walls, like tearing wallpaper off Literally peeling the wallpaper off the walls, which... (laughs) 
I can't imagine that that was uh, looked upon well by Gladys and, and Vernon. No. Although, I, like, I'm sure they were renting this place, so probably, like, it wasn't as big a deal as it could have been. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure there was a deposit, though. Yeah. Like a bushel of corn or something. Certainly, if, yeah, that is a good point. That I was going to say, like, Vernon didn't do a very good job of putting that wallpaper up. If you could just peel it off with your yeah. little tiny fingers. Right. But, uh, yeah, that makes sense that it would be put up by someone else. According to the book, Elvis gets through two and a half walls before Gladys comes in and stops him. So he is Man. just, I mean, that's a lot of, that's an extended tantrum. Yeah, yeah. If you've got time to turn the corner, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're getting after it. <laughs> yeah. And he's a kid. So what, is he jumping up? Like, Oh, he... <laughs> yeah. I didn't think about that. Like, is he <laughs> from the top down? <laughs> yeah, maybe he's peeling from the bottom and then yeah, pulling just back. Yeah, pulling it up. I'm mean, sure he's figuring it out as he goes. He's just wrecking stuff, though. I'm sure crying. Oh. Just spazzing. Yeah. He does a lot of crying in this book. And I feel like in other books I've read, like, he does a lot of crying, not only in anger, but, you know, out of regret and happiness. There are a lot of tears shed. <laughs> <laughs> and so this actually um, foreshadows... I believe, as I recall, it's the opening of Elvis What Happened, where he's ordering the Mike Stone hit. Yeah. And then proceeds to try to climb up a wall. Right. I mean, as it's described in that book, like he is literally attempting to climb the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you think if there was wallpaper on that wall, he would, in fact, probably just be tearing the wallpaper down. If it was as poorly hung as this wallpaper apparently is. Well, did, did that happen in like a Vegas hotel room? And That's how I recall like, it. I, I bet that's the... The quality of workmanship might be a little higher there. I think so. <laughs> so it makes you wonder, like, was he trying to climb the wall in Vegas or was he... Trying to rip the... Is it just this motion of just claw... Is it just clawing at walls is what he's, his instincts are leading oh, him to? Yeah. I mean, if he wasn't, it would still make sense to me because I think we've talked about it. It's talked about in this book. It's talked about in a lot of books. Like, his existence in many ways was like a prison. Yeah. So, like... They're young, they're they're limited by Vernon and Gladys and their their economic situation. You know, they don't have any money. There's whether it's real or not, but the the perceptions of them socially, Elvis seems to feel like that's keeping him hemmed in. And then he becomes a singer and he's being controlled by his parents and his managers. He gets famous and he can't go out and do the things that he wants to do, so he's a prisoner of his fame as well. So like I don't know. Makes sense that he's trying to break down walls of some kind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If he's not clawing, if he is climbing, if the instinct is to, yeah, climb over these walls somehow or, yeah, ascend them. Yeah. It does make some weird symbolic sense. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's interesting. It fits. So that's the first of the many tantrums. There's a talk when he's a boy. Earl reports that just in general, he would be known to slam doors and punch walls. Or just run as fast as he could down the streets until he wore himself out. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I need a neighborhood kid like that. Oh, I would man. love to look out the window. Like, <laughs> there he goes. Just crying and running down the middle of the street. Until oh, he's just man. panting. <laughs> he just kind of slinks back in the house. Deep in the gutter. <laughs> All better now, Mama. He really tears it up. He finds out Vernon is dating again when he starts uh, seeing D. That causes much inner turmoil, yeah. I would say. Immediately upon learning that, he hurled furniture and left holes in the walls with his fists. 
So I guess he graduated from clawing at walls. He's moving into attacking the walls. Yeah. He cannot surmount them. He's discovered that. So he must break through break them. Break them now. Yes. Yeah. So in terms I, of... Oh, I mean, and then like as far as like tantrums, like the biggest one kind of comes earlier on during, after his mom's funeral. Oh my God. Have we, have we talked about that yet? No. That whole, that's a great scene. I mean, the whole arc of this story is, as we've said before, Elvis grows up feeling disrespected and ignored and, you know, he's ashamed of himself, less than for sure. And so he starts dressing outrageously to get attention, starts acting out a little bit, you know, singing and all that kind of stuff. But there's this dark core to it all. You know, uh, by this book's telling, he goes into all of this, not because he's just irrepressibly filled with talent and love, but he has this, there's a darkness driving his ambitions, right? Yeah, there's a huge chip on his shoulder. Yeah. And then, so he takes that, that gets him through the army uh, and into fame. But then act two of that, his emotional life in this book is Gladys passing. And actually, he doesn't get an act two. It's like F. Scott Fitzgerald stuff where he goes straight to act three. Because really, Gladys passes, and according to this book, that's it for Elvis. Yeah. He essentially has a nervous breakdown, which he never recovers from. Mm -hmm. Earl specifically says, like, his eyes deadened, and he just changed, (laughs) which I kind of buy. I mean, we've all seen the photos of Elvis from the 60s, and certainly in the 70s, where he is dead-eyed. Like, so many of those publicity shots, even for the movies, he's just clearly checked out. And obviously, there's a lot of going in to that i mean he's doing something he's bored with he's on drugs but by this telling gladys's uh passing had a huge amount to do with that yeah and that is backed up by a couple big scenes <laughs> so part of this we have to backtrack a little bit as we discussed elvis brought the family with him to basic training uh but then he gets down there and then he's feeling stifled because he wants to do more than just drive around and look at panties. He wants to bring some ladies home. Yeah. Not kiss their vaginas. Right? <laughs> right. Lay down some towels. Wink yeah. wink. Right. <laughs> but you know, he's got the family there. We we already established, as with, with the Natalie Wood incident, he can't be banging with Gladys in the house. Right. And he's getting filled up. So he actually like prays to God. You know, he's praying that Gladys will go away. He just wants some time to do his stuff, you know, to blow off some steam. Cut loose. Cut loose, so to speak. (laughs) Praying that Gladys leaves. And, of course, she then gets sick uh, while in Texas. Uh, They fly her back to Memphis because that's where the doctors are, and she can get some bed rest. Elvis gets leave from the Army. He comes to Memphis straight from Texas and checks in with his mom, who tells him, don't worry about me, Elvis. You should go home and get some rest, and we'll see each other tomorrow Yep, or whatever. He goes home, and does he kind of have a party that night? I think so. I think there's some, like, him getting it on. Yeah. And, uh, of course, during the night, then, she dies. Yep. And so Elvis is devastated. His mom was gone. But he's also kind of angry at her because she sent him away. Yeah. And he couldn't be there with her. Yep. So there's that, and then also this horrible guilt that he, you know, he prayed for her to leave. And, and now he, she's gone. Yeah, and he feels like he stumbled into a classic devil's bargain. We're like, oh, yeah, I'll get her. She'll leave, but she dies, you know, that yeah. kind of deal. So he feels directly responsible. He prayed to God that she would leave, and he did this to her. So he is not taking any of this well. They do a viewing at Graceland right prior to the actual funeral. And when they're done, the funeral attendants are wheeling 
her coffin out of the door, and Elvis throws himself onto the uh, coffin. Yeah. And so everyone else kind of res- respectfully, out of respect or out of fear of... Yeah, it seems like respect and, uh, yeah, n- and they're very nervous. Yeah, general hesitation <laughs> yeah. around someone who's established a propensity for wild tantruming. Eventually, a couple of the attendants try to pull him away, and he lashes out and starts punching at the air, saying, don't touch her, don't touch her. But eventually, they calm him down. I'm sure he drops to the floor sobbing again, and they take that opportunity to wheel the casket out. And then at the actual funeral, Elvis is not doing much better, and they come to the end of the proceedings when they're actually lowering the coffin into the grave hole. And uh, they say, this has really made me laugh, that Elvis made kind of a jolting motion like <laughs> he's gonna, he's going in yeah he's going for it <laughs> but vernon grabs him vernon actually grabs him by the arm to hold him back because he can see his son's gonna jump in there and try to take the ride down <laughs> into the hole with her and here he cries and i'll quote this uh so this is at the funeral the coffin is squeakily being drawn down into the hole like quick 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 elvis don't leave me all alone oh please mama give me more time to make you happy i'll be better I didn't mean to send you away forever. Oh, don't leave. I need to hold your little hands and feet again. It was all for you. I did it all for you. That actually sounds like something John Waters would write. Or it it sounds like the omen. It's all for you, Damien. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. So I love that. I mean, in the holding, like the holding your hands and feet, that doesn't come up anywhere else in the book that that was like a thing. I mean, certainly holding her hands, I can imagine, but yeah. the situation where he'd be holding her feet. I don't know. I could see her like, you know, getting a few pops in her being like, rub my, rub mama's <laughs> feet, Elvis. Yeah. I've had a hard day. We got that rheumatoid. Yeah. And her feet would have hurt because she's been walking around in socks. Yeah. But those feet would not be aptly described it's as little. little. Because as we established earlier, they're swollen, too swollen for shoes. (laughs) So, I mean, Elvis is definitely having disorganized thoughts at this point. Um, But yeah, just generally sitting there and holding her feet is funny to me. Especially like not rubbing, not massaging. Just just, holding them? Just the act of holding her feet. (laughs) But he doesn't follow the coffin down. And yeah, that was basically his mental breakdown. He never recovered. Yeah. He started into the uh, sleeping pills and tranquilizers during this whole event, mm-hmm. um, which he called his nerve pills. <laughs> I will definitely, if I ever get addicted to pills, I'm, I will never sway from calling them my nerve pills, <laughs> even when I'm in like rehab. <laughs> and yeah, so in terms of more emotional Elvis, like the way Earl Greenwood paints Elvis's obsession with Scylla. After leaving, between his leaving Germany and her arriving in Memphis, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like he's completely fixated, right? Yeah, yeah. And seems to be thinking like, everything's a disaster. I'm unhappy. I came back. I'm doing movies I don't want to do, recording songs I don't want to sing. Yeah. This, she'll fix everything. Like, she'll come and... Right. And the fact that they're separated by such a great distance and for so long, is is it a couple of years before she comes over? It's a significant amount of time. Yeah. Especially for Elvis. So it gives, yeah. So it gives him the opportunity to just like build her up in his mind. Yeah. In this, this image that he's created of her and everything she's going to do for him, I guess. Yeah. What she represents. Yeah. It's like in this book, he's, yeah, he's spending all this time ruminating in kind of a drug and grief induced rumination, mm-hmm. right? Because he's in the pits, because Gladys still. Yeah. Not happy with his career, and he's like, yeah, the drugs are taking hold of him. 
and then she comes, and of course he's excited for a little bit, but then. Well, then, then he, it, they Earl makes it sound like he just kind of shuts her away in Graceland. I mean, yeah, he's very careful to keep things proper, I guess. And got her in school. They're not physical, as far as we know, and that seems to be a big thing for him. Yeah, man, that's that's such a that blows my mind. I can't imagine uh, like being Priscilla's parents and being okay with that. I mean, you're right. There is something. The idea of just sending them off, especially like if you live in a different country. So I think the yeah. her parents are still in Germany, right? Right, right. And from this book, I don't know what went into it, but it just sounds like Elvis gets his mindset on it, and then it's basically like one long phone conversation, and then it's like, she's coming. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's happening. That's just crazy. Yeah, but and you can't discount the fact that it was such different times. Yeah, and people's expectations and perspectives on things and like the whole idea of like a major celebrity actually being like a sexual predator was like unheard of. Yeah. Like I think people like, oh, you're popular. Everyone knows you. You must be okay. Like yep. literally. I mean, now we assume everyone is a sexual deviant. Deviant. Like a violent sexual deviant. <laughs> right. Like a sex island. Somewhere, right. right. Yeah. Which is not probably any more correct than the other way. Right. Around, you know? Yeah. And also, you know, back then, 14 wasn't that young. That's true, too. A whole different perspective on what young was, you know? Yeah. So. Maybe she was just, like, getting way into Nazi memorabilia or something (laughs) like that. Get her out of here. Get her something else to do. It's either Nazi (laughs) memorabilia or getting plugged by Elvis. (laughs) Tough decisions. Hey, Dad, check out this dagger I got. Yeah. Isn't it rad? rad. That's dried blood. (laughs) Yeah. Well, interesting. So yeah, so what the one aspect of that I found really funny was that he gave her a bedtime, and so all the guys they'd just be sitting around chatting, uh-huh. and they'd be like ten bills, so, and then you know he'd come over and she'd give him a kiss on the cheek, and then yeah. she'd go to bed. Yeah, and she had to lay in bed listening to them all talking downstairs, like when your parents at a party when you're a kid. Yeah, just like what is going on? How fucking weird is that? How could Elvis even compartmentalize like that? Like, oh, you're my lover. But you're also my, like, child? Yeah. Like yeah. My, my orphan child. Yeah. <laughs> it's so strange. Yeah. Eat your greens, Scylla. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, literally making her sit there, like, till she eats all her peas. Like, uh, that kind of shit. <laughs> and then, like... leave this table. Yeah. And then trying to, like, smell her puss. <laughs> like, <a> weird guy. <laughs> doesn't seem to add up. But, yeah, by this book, he doesn't... I mean, that's always the... That's the eternal question. And I don't know that I'll ever be fully satisfied. Either way, was Elvis truly, were they, were they chased? And it's like, I don't know, this book seems to suggest they were. Yeah. And he makes the whole case about her being like Gladys reincarnated and so uh, yeah. you know, Which, and all that. Oh, man. Like, yeah, that makes it even weirder. Like, yeah. She looks like these photos of my mom. I got to have her. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is very, he's all mixed up emotionally, for yeah, sure, right? Because yeah. those are different feelings. Yeah, one would hope. So it could be a, a, a true thing. I mean, it would speak to the depth of his grief and inability to process that. Yeah. Yeah, Earl also puts himself, I thought it was interesting that he confirmed the claim made in Elvis Will Happen that about Elvis contracting a hit on Mike Stone, Mike Stone Must Die. Mm-hmm. You know, take this machine gun, which I don't know. That always seemed like maybe that didn't happen. 
that's it's you not can't. it's within the realm of possibility for sure but it also that anecdote kind of at the same time creates that as a realm of possibility <laughs> like that single anecdote makes that a part of the elvis character mm-hmm. right yeah You're like i guess that that could actually yeah. work yeah yeah but Earl, like, so he says that that happened, and then Earl puts himself in the center of thwarting this. Because it's like, Earl catches wind that he's doing this. Like, I don't think Earl claims to have been in the room when the hit was initially ordered. <laughs> That's so 70s of Elvis. Yeah. Like, ordering a hit. What an idiot. <laughs> you must have just watched by a Godfather, right? Yeah, or I'm, I bet he's reading, like, Soldier of Fortune. A soldier of Fortune? <laughs> like, I could, he's definitely, like, at a subscription, so, like. Yeah, because he's. He's absolutely reading karate magazines. Oh, yeah. And those are the same readership. Like, yeah. All the ads in the back are all the same. So he yeah. would be seeing like studded gladiator wristbands and shit like that. Yeah. And like tactical batons. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and voice throwing yeah. and ventriloquist techniques. <laughs> and all those eight millimeter smut reels oh, you would buy. Like mysteries of Danish sex. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that would have led to the machine gun. That's definitely like a, the Soldier of Fortune choice of weapon, probably. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not the true one, but I think if you are interested in that world, you would think Soldier of Fortune are like an M16. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whereas obviously a true Soldier of Fortune, as I'm sure we would hear from any out there listening. <laughs> like, no, my friend. Yeah. Silent and deadly. Right. You know, one right in the cranium. Yeah. Knife. Yep. Right. Up from the space, the, the top oh, of the right. spine. Yep. Yep. Into the cerebellum. Or there's like two slices. You do hit him somewhere and then you cut their throat. I don't know. I'm getting too, too deep into this. <laughs> <laughs> well, we each have our own style. Uh, but yeah, so this one, Earl, like here's word and everyone's like freaking out and Earl's like, calm down, everyone. I got this. <laughs> and he's like, here's how we'll play it. Let Elvis think we're doing it. Right. And if I know Elvis and I do, cause we're like brothers and we've been inseparable since birth, mm-hmm. he will lose interest. Right. And so tell him that, we are pursuing it, and we found a guy, and I guarantee he will call it off at that point. Right. And, of course, he's right, because he knows Elvis like the back of his hand. Yep. And that's why Elvis needs him so much. So he's his mirror. Yes. Right? Yeah. Tell me about Jimmy Dean. There's a story about Elvis pulling a gun on Jimmy Dean. Yeah. Jimmy Dean is visiting Elvis backstage, and in this, in this book, Dean makes some sort of joke that Elvis takes poorly yeah and then a gun is pulled (laughs) this this is a story that's also detailed in elvis what happened i think here they talk about i don't know it's got something to do with a girl in this or something yeah there's a couple different versions i've read one is definitely they're backstage and there's a girl that's sort of with elvis and jimmy dean is maybe making a pass at her or even like jokingly makes a pass yeah and elvis pulls a gun on him Uh, and i think in what what happened elvis gets mad because Jimmy Dean just kind of like jokingly remarks like, boy, you kept me waiting a long time there. Yeah. And Elvis doesn't, doesn't like that. Doesn't cotton to that yeah. at all. Yeah. So but, tries to put the fear of God in him, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and by this book, I think it's either this book or as I, I looked to get this verified, I looked it up online and some other guy had a slightly different story. And I think it was the online version where he talks about Elvis pulls the gun and not only pulls the gun at him, but actually presses it against his head. Dude. <laughs> but according to this author, still maintained a vibe of only like half joking, which is a delicate balance. Yeah. Cold steel against your temple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just randomly a guy like 
there's just it's so different to have it actually pressing against your yeah, skin. Yeah, it's it couldn't. It's like you know we both like knives for our kills because of the intimacy. <laughs> yes, and he's bringing that intimacy to the gun. Yeah, right. Is yeah. what he's doing. I think maybe that's it. It's very unnerving. Right. And a tough choke to pull off. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty crazy. But I guess uh, when you're as charismatic as Elvis, you can do it, right? I think that's right. I don't get the impression Jimmy Dean had any great hard feelings over it. Yeah. It's like, hey, man, you sleep with lions. You're going to get pawed. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is how it is. You know the deal on Elvis. I mean, I'm sure he just walks up. He's clinking from all the guns at him. Chink, chink, chink. Okay. I think this is interesting. Like, I've wondered in the past why Elvis didn't have more children. Kids? He had very traditional values. Mm-hmm. And it seems like multiple kids. He yeah. seems like the kind of guy who would have that in his plans. Yeah. I don't know. Unless he's modeling things on his own family situation where he was the only child. Hmm. But then, I don't know, that gets complicated because he's not really the only child. There's, oh yeah, you know, stillborn twin who's hovering over his shoulder at all times. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Unless Priscilla was just like, no way. But I don't see her doing that either. This book actually makes, as much as I don't really believe this book, it makes a pretty good case for why he didn't. In that he did have this weird, you know, the Madonna whore thing with Priscilla. yeah. And he was banging on these other chicks. Mm -hmm. But he almost like, by Greenwood's telling, he kind of didn't even want to touch Priscilla. Yeah. And it almost sounds like he they had sex the one time on their wedding night. He got her pregnant. And then she was a mother. And as we've discussed elsewhere, Greenwood yeah. claims that he was like, ew. <laughs> yeah. Really <laughs> icked out by mothers yeah. and yeah. loose vaginas. In Priscilla's case, I would see that not so much as him being grossed out by her in that notion, but just that like now not only is she pure Priscilla, but she's like she's pure Priscilla, who is the pure mother of my pure child. And he doesn't want to like sully that yeah with his wiener yeah it'll be interesting to see if we ever get this story verified but earl talks about elvis in the mid 70s when he's really in his decline getting so looped out on drugs that he would go out in the middle of the night into the backyard at graceland (laughs) get on his hands and knees dig holes that look like hand hoe and bury jewelry and cash yeah and then like (laughs) put all the dirt back on it and kind of pat it back down yeah because he was worried about losing money or like things all falling apart and he wanted to have his, that was like his little savings account. Yeah. Just loose money and loose like necklaces just dumped (laughs) into dirt, dirt, more dirt thrown on top of it. And by Earl's telling, members of the Memphis Mafia with less integrity than others uh, would watch this happen and then sneak out there after Elvis went in, passed out and would dig it him up, knowing that Elvis would never even remember he was out there in the first place. So that's a great story. It's <laughs> I really want that one to be true. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so cold. I feel so bad for him. Like I, I, for some reason, I just think about his cold, wet knees, and him like going in, his knees are all wet. Oh and yeah, just, like yeah, grass yeah. stained. And yeah, he's wearing track pants, and he's got like a dirty wife beater on, and yeah, he's really sweaty. Or he's just his, like he famously has this like deep blue robe he would wear all the time. It's like him and like Ginger would always walk around in these like deep blue robes. <laughs> yeah, him just in his robe out there. It's so sad. I don't know. There's something about that like middle of the night, half out of it on drugs or drunk, feeling like this desperate need to try to correct something like at that right then. Oh, yeah. 
It's really sad. Yeah. I guess what tickles me about the story is just like envisioning the these Memphis Mafia members like with their heads like <laughs> peeking up over bushes and like around corners and like watching this go down. And instead of like thinking, we should really help this guy. Just like yeah. rubbing their hands. And <laughs> yeah. That one's mine. You get the next one, Charlie. That was mine. And then Elvis goes in and then like the like two guys race for the same hole. <laughs> yeah. I got there first. You know the rules. Yeah. Like Sonny tackles Joe <laughs> yeah. so that Red can get in there. Yeah. God damn the West brothers. Not brothers. West cousins. Yeah. Yeah. It's a funky story. I very, well, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if that crops up in anyone else's tellings. Yeah. You want it to be true. I don't I don't want it to be true. I don't like all this. I want Elvis to be happy. Yeah. I don't I don't like I don't like hearing that. Well it's when funny. you put it like that, now I feel bad. You should feel bad. <laughs> you should feel super bad. Uh okay. And so Greenwood also makes the claim that Greenwood and Elvis make these sex tapes. Show them to all the boys, do some play by plays. Yeah. Uh show off some blood spots. All the normal stuff. Uh, somehow Parker, according to the Greenwood story, Parker gets a hold of these. And there's a part fairly early on where Elvis is like, I think this might even be in the 60s, where Elvis is like, that's it. Parker's gone. We're not doing this anymore. Uh, and he goes in and has a big, serious powwow with Parker. And he comes out just totally defeated. Yeah. Uh, and that's the end. No more is spoke of it. And Elvis is just kind of defeated, man, from that I feel like that happens more than once in this book, where Elvis goes into a meeting all hot under the collar about something. And he comes out always like 10 minutes later, like a beaten puppy. Yeah, tail between the legs, yeah. for sure. Yeah. At that point, Elvis comes forward to Earl and says, like, Parker has a hold of our sex movies and has been using these as leverage all this time. Yeah. yeah, forcing me to do whatever he wants, be his puppet. And that's why I can't get out from under his thumb. I think that makes for a good story, but I don't necessarily buy it. No. Although, although I guess it's not beyond the realm of possibility because after the the story of these, these like sex reels that they make just kind of like for a week and who knows if there's more, they're just like doing this all the time, having orgies, filming them. And then it's just kind of like the film just kind of ended up in some drawer at Graceland or something. Yeah. And I could totally see the colonel getting his hands on those and using them. Like, I wouldn't put that past him, but it also seems like I know that the colonel's a carny and he's kind of a, a scumbag, but I think he's a little classier than that, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, he wouldn't have to resort to that. That's how I see it. I I don't think he needs such a blunt measure. I think he's yeah. got, yeah, just by weaving tails mm-hmm. and getting, like, into Elvis's head. He's already got him right where he wants him. Yeah. I don't think he needs something like that. Yeah. And I mean, could it, at some point, could Elvis just like send the boys in to like rough him up? If it well, can't, yeah. If that was the, the actual situation. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine so. If Elvis like genuinely didn't want anything to do with Parker and that's mm-hmm. what he had over him, like, yeah, I mean, Elvis was like going to sh- kill Mike Stone. I mean, he was running around with guns all the time. Yeah. Like, I'm sure at some point it would have come to a head. But they do talk about Elvis's trying to assert himself trying to take control and always being batted down by Parker and those around him and him responding eventually by just almost giving up and just indulging in these hedonistic excesses, which psychologically makes sense. Like, I think mm-hmm. we probably see that a lot with celebrities. Because you do think, like, these people get to these situations where they're so successful, they have so much money that they can kind of do whatever they want, and yet the more success and money they get, the less they can do. Right. So it's this weird, like, reverse mechanism. And you have more and more people, like, around you that are relying on these decisions and, like, want to make decisions for you and probably know more about stuff. And, Mm -hmm. like, 
Yeah, at some point, yeah, you just like are no longer allowed to make your own decisions. Right. And you just become this puppet getting bounced around by p- between people. But then you still have all the ego of being like you are the most important person. Yeah. Right? It is you that's the selling thing. You can't do anything. I can I can definitely see how you just like, well, at least I got zillions of dollars. I'll yeah. just become this kind of like, blow off steam somehow. Yeah. And then just like drugs and dames and stuff. Mm-hmm. Pretty gnarly. So that's it. Let's talk about the feelings about the book. A little wrap up. Would you recommend this book to? I would recommend this book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really, it's the, the more distance I get from it, the, the greater I think it is. Like, really? Yeah. Because um, I think you've mentioned there is a lot of history of early Elvis here, which can be a bit of a snooze. Yeah. It's, it's kind of neat to see that just because I don't feel like it's been focused on a whole lot. It's pretty cursory and other stuff. I mean, it's been a while since I've read the Gralnick books. Yeah. So I'm sure you can get what you need there. But you get a better picture of what life was like for Elvis and the Presleys in Tupelo, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then just uh, the stories are great. Like the stories of Elvis as a celebrity are crazier. I mean, I, yeah. just it comes down to like filming sex orgies. Like, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. into this book. <laughs> <laughs> There are some amazing, if you're in it for anecdotes, be they true or not, this is your book. Yeah. Because it does. It's got the sex orgies. It's got checking out panties. Yep. It's got the obsession with young girls. Yeah. Banging celebrities. Banging celebrities. There are a couple of pretty interesting Sinatra stories, like Elvis kind of moving in on Sinatra's girl, who's Juliet Prowse, and then Sinatra coming to have a talk with him. Yeah. And then Elvis, like, pretty much refusing to speak to Juliet Prowse after that. Yeah. Yeah. But then and go and sleep with Sinatra's daughter. Yeah. Is, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you get a lot. There's a lot of good juice in this. Too bad it's probably all pretty made up. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of the, the downside of this book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think in terms of like, do you think Earl Greenwood was actually a member of Elvis's entourage? Like, was he in any way involved with Elvis or is this completely made up? No. Well, I... I guess I buy that he was a close family member. I buy that he would have served Elvis in some capacity as far as PR. I don't know. I totally believe that he like is opening Elvis's fan mail and going through it to to report back to Elvis, but that that might be as far as I take it. So you think they did grow up together in Tupelo? Y- yeah, okay. So yes, I believe they grew up together. I believe their relationship as Earl uh, describes it, is totally fabricated. Earl is Elvis's second cousin. He, he is a couple years younger than Elvis. And in, in pretty much every story Earl tells, he positions himself as kind of the wise, yeah, like sage. Elvis is coming to him for advice or he's offering advice to Elvis and Elvis pretty much taking it. There's at least one story where he's teasing Elvis and uh, Gladys has to tell him like, cut that off. Stop scaring my baby. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I just, I don't buy that, especially at that young of an age where a two-year difference is so much bigger than it would be if you're in your teens or, or whatever. There's no way, like, a four-year-old kid is scaring a six-year-old kid. Yeah. Especially someone as headstrong as Elvis. Yeah. I think that's where we differ, because I, I don't, I think he's completely making this up. Um, and to me... The real telling point is like this whole story that his mom is one of Vernon's is Vernon's secret sister who no one knows of is not shows up in any book mm-hmm. because she had syphilis and she went crazy. And so they locked oh. her away and she's the big family secret. 
And so when people go like, oh, wait, you're a cousin? Who are you? Who's your mom? And whatever he claims the mom's name is, they're like, well, this isn't in any known family tree. He goes, well, of course it's not, because <laughs> they're ashamed of her. Right. Because she porked a guy and got syphilis, Caligula style. You know, yeah. And then she had me somewhere in there. I don't know how that works. Yeah. But that I just don't. I mean, it's just, I just don't buy it. Man, you put it like that, and I just feel like super gullible. <laughs> <laughs> Well, did you just kind of forgotten about that? I'd kind of forgotten about that, but I, I didn't do a whole lot of re- I mean, I, there yeah. was some confusion for me as far as the family tree goes, but maybe that's just, be, just because he went so far back in the, the telling of it. But yeah, you're right. Like the the family connections are are very tenuous. Yeah, I had to look it up. I mean, obviously he doesn't talk about that. I mean, he talks about the mom having syphilis. He explains this side of it, but mm-hmm. and yeah, it's a situation where. I mean, there is no, if you're trying to find out what Earl Greenwood is doing nowadays, there is no information I saw. Like, he hmm. just vanished. And so you would think someone, and even if you type him in, it's not like, he doesn't come up in searches like, oh, he's referenced in another book. Yeah. He never shows up. Yeah. Which is pretty dubious. I wonder if Earl Greenwood even exists. It's a different name. Oh, a different name? Well, because this is written by Earl Greenwood and Kathleen Tracy. Oh, Wow, Pat. So you're thinking she just made him up entirely. That's really an interesting theory. It could be. I'm sure that that's easily, you know, that balloon's easily popped, but. I don't know. I think that's a very, very possible. Like I say, because there's no, you do a Google search for Earl Greenwood, there's nothing. Uh, And I actually want to amend what I said earlier. I think I'm kind of misremembering the family tree, but if they're saying second cousin, then it wouldn't have been Vernon's sister. I think it was Vernon's dad's sister. Yeah. Who was the family secret. Yep. Either way, wherever that syphilis mother falls into, <laughs> that's still the story. But yeah, so I think it's all fake. But like we've kind of said a number of times, I think my feeling is that I don't think this is truly Elvis. I don't think Elvis was this miserable and psychotic. I don't think he was such a priapic woman abuser. Mm-hmm. You know, this, um, this makes a lot of his resentment towards his parents, which doesn't doesn't track in a lot of other stuff that I've read. Yeah, he really like in this, he hates really does not like Vernon at all. Yeah. Which doesn't I don't hear that elsewhere. He still loves his mama, but there's definitely I don't know. There are times where she's seen as holding him back. Yeah, he has a lot of it's a very complicated, unpleasant relationship with mm-hmm. Gladys. She's like super manipulative and like a drunk. And yeah. she's got giant feet and like <laughs> yes. she's just like manipulating Elvis now he's yeah. talking about his dead brother and just it's... tormenting him and she dies and he has a mental breakdown he never recovers from mm-hmm. he's just miserable for the rest of his life and getting increasingly fucked up on drugs and like I just don't I don't want to believe any of that uh, I don't quite know why that's so important to me that that's not the truth because it really affects me mm-hmm. and like I don't like thinking of that when I'm listening to Elvis music yeah like Elvis music is so comforting to me uh-huh. and like so like I listen to 70s Elvis and it just like it's like being home for Christmas all yeah. the, always it's yeah. such a good feeling so just like I don't think it's true and I don't want it to think it's true mm-hmm. you know I mean I want the like the sex stuff to be true I guess <laughs> <laughs> but I I am sympathetic to the portrayal of Vernon and Gladys being somewhat of a of an anchor or like not an anchor not in a good way so yeah. I see those two holding him back like I I don't know. You're going to love your parents no matter what. And there's no doubt they were huge, huge figures in Elvis' life. But uh, I do buy them as 
being kind of rubes who at times held him back. So I guess it's too much to say I want it to be true, but I could see how that was true. Yeah. Even if I don't buy it all the way. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, there's definitely like hints of truth. You know, it's no revelation to say the truth is obviously in between. It's Mm -hmm. not the beautiful portrayal that, you know, Elvis Presley Industries would like you to think. Yeah. You know, that's not really the story. Neither is the Greenwood story. I mean, there's definitely like human emotions and happenings in between. <laughs> yeah. Which is probably accurate. And I think what you just said about the parents is probably somewhat, There's, I think there are whiffs of that probably mm-hmm. in his life, truly. But I mean, I think, well, what you're saying, I do agree with. Like, on one hand, I don't think it's true. I don't want it to be true. But I can see that there is a good, strong internal logic to a lot of this book. Yeah. Like, psychologically, it could be true. Right. It doesn't seem just like completely random. Yeah, like the motives not... they give him add up, right? Yep, yep, yep. So that, that that is interesting. And I mean, as much as I don't want these stories to be the truth, they make for exactly what I want in an Elvis book. Yeah. Like it makes for a great Elvis book. Yeah, I agree. Because that's what you want in a biography. You want the crazy anecdotes. Yeah, some you really, want... yeah, juicy details. Yeah, yeah. jaw dropping. Uh-huh. That's what you want. Right. And like this book definitely delivers. Yes. It's a little quiet for the first like 100 pages. Mm -hmm. Then it ramps up. And then somewhere in like 249 or something, I had a note. It just like, I think that's when the orgies start. Yeah. It just goes haywire. So yeah, the psychology is good. Uh, If you're looking for a, yeah, Juicy Elvis book, it's, I think it's right up there with Elvis What Happened for sure. Yeah. You want it to deliver, but yeah, you also don't want to be depressed by it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's a certain balance yeah. uh, in tone you're looking for. But yeah, so I don't know. Out of a thousand, what would you give this book? Oh, I, I give it a solid 900. No, well, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I say that now after having getting some distance. Like actually reading the book, be a little a little tougher than I'm making it out to be. Because with time, all the like boring details fade and those really juicy stories really, yeah. really come to the surface in my mind. So yeah. it's good. Yeah. I I'm, enjoyed I'm, it. I'm with you. I'm up there too. Just don't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's all fucking bullshit. Uh, that's it. That about covers it. Yeah. Before we go, let's note next week we're doing Is Elvis Alive by Gail Brewer Giorgio. That comes on audio tape, which I'm pretty excited about. But before we go, let's uh, make special mention of our cousin podcast, Suspicious Minds with Wade and Burl. Uh, they're good friends of ours. They're doing good work in the name of E. Yes. So give them a listen. Uh, how can folks get in touch with us, Pat? Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email email us at elvisbookclub at gmail.com, or you can give us a call and leave a message at 312-380-1114. Uh, just be aware, we may use your call on a future pod. Uh, and having said that, we part and we do so in the manner of all Elvis fans the world over by saying a few simple words. You know, Pat, there was a guy said one time, he said, uh, you never stood in that man's shoes or saw things through his eyes or stood and watched with helpless hands while the heart inside you dies. So help your brother along the way, no matter where he starts for the same God that made you made him too. These men with broken hearts. Good night and God bless. Everybody's gone away.